Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So the question I want to bring up today, I'm going to answer, and we're going to walk through this a little bit, is how do you get to heaven? I know, I'll probably have created a podcast about this, but it just kept on coming up in sermons I've been hearing about and in my head. How do you get there? You know, where I work in HVAC, I work with a Mormon, and we were actually having this kind of conversation at work. And the guy's a really cool guy, but I asked him, how do you get to heaven? And it was interesting. He was saying to me about how you have to get to heaven. Well, you believe in Jesus and you go to heaven. I go, is there anything else you have to do? He goes, well, you just try to, you follow God's commandments, Jesus' commandments, and then you, you work whatnot. And then you, uh, Jesus died for you. So I said, okay, so do you have to work for this or do you just receive it? Is it a gift or is it by works? And he goes, well, it, 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 you, you got to work your way towards it and ultimately be worthy of it. And as we had this conversation with the Mormon, and it's nothing I've ever not had a conversation with. It's not like a new topic that I've never heard of. I've easily heard this topic many times. Mormons don't believe that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. That is not what they believe in. They believe in works. Even though Ephesians chapter, uh, I believe, 4 verse 8 in Ephesians says that it's by grace you've been saved, through faith. This is not of yourselves, uh, not by works, lest any man shall boast. It's incredible how many people, when they read the Bible about these particular things, like how to get to heaven and whatnot, especially like Mormonism, that they ignore that verse completely. Or they'll just be saying, well, that's your interpretation. I love when I hear that. It's your interpretation. Your interpretation says this. It's interesting because that's a giant cop-out. A lot of people decide that they don't want to read the Bible the way it is, or they don't want to accept the message the way it is. So they cop out of it and make it a lame excuse. They make, I say it's lame. They make these excuses saying, you know, well, you know, the Bible's so interpretable. Oh, so like if we're having a conversation and you say, and you scream in my face, I'm a devout atheist. I hate God. You know, there is no God in this universe. And I, I can interpret what you say to believe that you are a Christian, born again, believer in Jesus. Nice to meet you, brother or sister. And they're like, I didn't say that. Right. I, I agree with you. You didn't say that. But I'm using a logical argument against everyone who's ever used that phrase. The Bible's so interpretable. The, the problem is the Bible's not so interpretable. Now, I understand when you read the Bible, you can come across different things that say like about, well, this is Psalms or Proverbs or whatnot, or this person said this and blah, blah, blah. But the great thing is, here, here's, a, here's the amazing part about it. The Bible interprets itself. The only malfunction that's in, that's happening here, is the person reading the flipping book. They don't want to believe what it's saying because it conflicts with what they want. It conflicts with their lifestyle. It conflicts with their thoughts, their feelings, their everything. The Bible has a way of living, and it tells you the message that the world doesn't tell you. The world tells you, have fleshly desires. Go have sex with unlimited women or men you want. You know, go make as much money. And money is the most important thing in this world. Don't get me wrong. Money is a great thing. I'm, I'm not trying to attack that. I just want to jump onto that really fast. The love of money is, is that problem. The, the world says you need to get into drugs, into pornography, into alcohol, into all sorts of different things. You know, I'm not saying that you can't have a beer here and there. I personally enjoy beer and hard seltzers. I do. I don't get drunk, but I do, I do enjoy these things. It's when they've become controlling over your life. That's the main problem we're seeing here. 
But what I'm point, pointing out here is so many people decide they don't want to believe what the Bible says because it conflicts with how they want to live their life. I remember Cliff Connectly um, giving me an answer was saying it some of the best ways I possibly could imagine, which was he said that um, he said there was a story that his brother uh, um, was at a medical school. He transplants livers and kidneys. And while he was in medical stu- school, suddenly becoming a surgeon, doctor, um, roommates in the dorm in his dorm would come up and be like, "Hey, you know," and they, they, would ask, they would ask questions about God. And some of the, and he finally got to the point where they were sitting down and asking all these different questions. Some of them didn't even make any logical sense. So he goes, "Okay, hold hold up for a moment. If you guys have honest questions about the Bible, about God, about Jesus." I'll stay up all night with you. We'll have a pull. We'll pull an all nighter. I don't care. That's fine. I'll. I'm assuming he would survive on coffee the next day. But if the reason that you are asking these questions and debating is because all you want to do is find excuses so you can have sex with as many hot looking girls as possible, cheat on all of your exams, party all night and drink, and live out your sinful lifestyle, then. We'll end the discussion right here because now you have your answer why you don't want to believe God exists. You already have it. There's no point discussing it. There's no point arguing or debating it. It's a you problem, not a scripture problem. And he said, majority of the, of the guys in that dorm just got up and was like, you know what? You're right. And they got up and left. That was it. Only a f- very few people stayed behind. So what I'm looking at is the same problem follows here. Very few people. I believe Jesus is one who said, that the road to the door to get to heaven is a slim door. The path is very small. And not many people are going to find it. But the path to destruction is wide. It's huge. It's glorious. It has little twinkling lights across it. It looks pretty. Right? So that's what I'm seeing here is people, it's not a scripture issue. It's not an interpretational issue. Interpretation is not difficult to understand. As long as you read the Bible, it interprets itself. I have read the Bible a lot, countless times. I'm going through it left, right, and center. I'm rereading things I've already read before. And what I'm finding out is the Bible continuously confirms itself. It'll just tell you a message you don't want to hear. You know, if you don't want Jesus, I know plenty of people who doesn't want who in this new culture. I'm a millennial. I'm after to see what Gen X is doing now. And then the new culture, it's all inclusivity, your truth. Speak and be your truth. Right? Well, Jesus makes a problem with this. Jesus is not inclusive in his message and sense. He's inclusive as in he wants to bring all people into heaven. That's the Father's will. That is his will. However, the problem is this. His message isn't inclusive. It's very exclusive. Because Jesus doesn't say that every road to heaven is there. That there's a billion different ways to get to heaven. You go through, yeah, hell. You can go through Buddha, Muhammad. You can go you know, to Allah. You can go to the Vatars of Hinduism. You can go do your own spiritual, like, New Age belief system at Burning Man or whatever the heck you want to do. Those will all lead you to heaven. The, Jesus says that analogy of the elephant where people are touching different parts of the elephant, but they're all blindfolded and they go, wow, the elephant says this, 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 and they're all correct. Jesus says that's not true. And that's what sucks about this message to this world. Because the world wants this message to be true. It wants 
the way to heaven be any way you really want to go is the right way to go, and ultimately all leads up in the same place. No, the only time I can think that happens is death. You can have natural causes, a heart attack, run over by a car, hit by a train. I mean, you name it. Eventually, everybody dies. It's pretty much the only way I could see a true inclusivity. Where no matter what you do, you're heading for the the fertilizer pit. You're heading for the grave. You're all going to be put onto a slab at the hospital. If you're lucky enough. Otherwise, you're probably, whatever it is. The biggest part is you're going to be dead. That is the only real inclusive truth that all paths lead to death. But there's only one path that leads you into heaven. And that's why this generation, my, I won't even say my generation, Generation X or whatever, doesn't like this. Because the message is it's not inclusive enough. It doesn't allow me to live my life my way. I can't go do my own thing and, and get into heaven. No, you can't. You have to follow the only way and only option. And it can be so, you may get all pissed off about it. I'm like, oh God, I don't want to do that. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is, in reality, in life, there are things in life you have no control over the consequences of. You have unlimited amounts of sex with a bunch of girls or guys, and you'll probably end up with an HIV or STD. At the end of your life, there is death. I don't like death. I had to watch an eight-year-old die in front of me and an 80-year-old die in front of me when I worked at a hospital as a security officer. I hated the fact of watching that kid have an asthma attack, the lungs collapsed on him. I hated that. I wanted things to be different, but the reality is the world doesn't operate that way. If you party, party, party all throughout college and not study, you're going to flunk out. That is the simple reality of the world. You break the law, you're going to be arrested. Simple reality of the law. You jump off a tall building and you're going to fly right to the ground and splatter all over it. Simple reality. So this whole idea of, well, why can't things be the way I want them to be? Because that's not how the world operates. Getting into heaven is no different. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way and I am the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but by me or through me. You're not going to make it if you want to make it an inclusive thing. You need to follow Jesus' way. You want to enter the kingdom, he's the king. He is the king above all kings, the Father's kingdom. They're the ones who create the rule book. It's like if you want to go into like, uh, like Magic Castle. I know, that's a weird name for a magic castle over in Hollywood. I've been there a few times, and I worked at Disney. I had a few friends who knew a few friends, and they invited me to tag along to go to Magic Castle. It was a wonderful experience. I had fun, a lot of magic tricks, great people to be around, great atmosphere. But honestly, the way I had to get in was I had to get permission. I had to go through somebody. I had to follow the rule book to get in. Because the person who owned the place had rules. <laughs> I had to wear a suit and tie to walk in the front door. I had to say a certain magic word to get in. I mean, it was um, open sesame. I don't think it's going to be so uniquely special for me to say yeah, it's open, se- open sesame. 
I, we always say open sesame, like a sesame seed, like on a bun. I don't know why we say that. When it really is actually open says me, right? Open on my, whose authority says my authority. It says me. Anywho, I went into there. But the only way I got in is I had to follow the rule book to get in. Similarly, heaven is the same way. So it's like, how do you get to heaven? First of all, you got to swallow your pride. A lot of people have that nowadays. Tons of it. I get pride at points. Where I'm really prideful and arrogant. Like I said, I'm a chief of sinners. I'm not this phenomenal person I wish you would all believe. You have to swallow your pride. I know, that's a really big one. Especially for egotistical people. People who just, their ego, their head's so inflated, I'm surprised they can they can walk their doorway. You know, I should say. Uh, their head's so inflated, I'm surprised they can uh, they can walk through the entry of a of an airport hangar or an airplane hangar. You ever seen those things? They're massive doors. Like you ever watched Top Gun? By the way, great movie. But you see the hangar doors? They open up, giant thing. You know, any person can easily walk through there. Their ego is so inflated, I'm surprised they can even walk through that door. Check your ego at the door. Then, after that. You then have to look at the Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments, a lot of people look at this and go, well, that's just rules. Actually, Ten Commandments aren't a bunch of rules. Not really. When you actually really look at them according to how God put them in the Bible. The Ten Commandments are a mirror. You know, like when you walk into your bathroom in the morning or whenever you walk into the bathroom, you look in the mirror. You see yourself, right? Well, the mirror has a really amazing thing. It it actually can point out uh, a lot of flaws on your face or on your body depending on what kind of mirror you got, right? It shows you all the flaws on your body. Like, is my, oh, does this dress make my butt too, look too big? Or do these pants make my butt look too big? I digress on that one. Or do I have any zits on my face? Oh, my gosh, look at that on my forehead. I got a gigantic zit right there. I got to pop that thing. Ugh. Oh, is my makeup running? Oh, I got to shave my face. Or if you're like me, you like a glorious beard. You know, how do I trim my beard? Can I trim it correctly? The mirror is right there to show you everything that's wrong on you that needs to be corrected. Similarly, the Ten Commandments are the exact same way. They are a mirror of your soul, of who you are. That's what they are. Are you a liar? Are you, Do you cheat? Do you lust? Do you steal? All these little things. And they go into detail. They have Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They go a little bit more into detail over this. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit convicts you. That's what's going on. The closer you get to God, the more convicted you'll feel. But that's not a conviction because, oh, this is really bad. It's convicted to turn you away from what you're doing and put yourself in the position where you love God, where you are accepted by God. Because where you are right now, as a sinner, though God loves you, is not acceptable. It's not. He wants you to turn away for, to the best of your ability from your sin and trust in Jesus. He wants to be with you. So you look into this mirror called the Ten Commandments, and you realize, darn it, I'm not good. And that can make your whole reality come crashing, screeching, halt right around your ears. whole world's going to crash around your ears. Everything. 
But that's okay. You need to be broken down. You need to drop your ego in order to be saved by Jesus. You see where I'm coming from? Because then Jesus can go, all right, yeah, you're a terrible person. Yes, you are. Me too. I'm terrible. But guess what? I love you. I died on a cross for you. I took a punishment. That death, I died. It wasn't just being nailed to a cross. It was torture. Beyond reasonable torture. Then hung on a cross for hours. Slowly asphyxiating to death. But never not loving you. Doing it because he loves you. Doing it because he wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to be in paradise. But you can't get there at this stage. If you haven't accepted Jesus, you can't go in there. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. God will not permit it in his kingdom. Plain and simple. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You need to get rid of the sin. But here's the crazy part. I'm going to address this. You by yourself cannot get rid of your sin. You're too screwed up. Like me, you are screwed up beyond reasonable. I mean, it's ridiculous. Even on your best day, you'll never make it. My best day, I'll never make it. Because I do something to screw something up. I do something that's a sin. My thoughts, my words. You ever had that time where you go, dang, I shouldn't have said that. Ah, I don't know. Ever seen on the news? I, I want to like watch it on the news. You know, ever seen an anchor who will say something like, we'll talk and all of a sudden we'll say some profane word out of nowhere for no real reason or say something like, um, you know, like, oh, yes, uh, of course that pussy, you say something like that and be like, oh, shoot, like I just said. It'll say something of that nature. And then they should go, oh, I don't know where that word came from. I don't know how that got out there, but this no will never happen again. Right. Well, that's you screwing up. You will screw up. You can't make it on your own. It won't work. That's okay. Because Jesus covered that. Because he lived that life you could never live even on your best day. He lived it. And then he took the punishment for your worst day, all your days, upon himself. So now, when the Father sees you, he doesn't see sinful me. He sees Christ in me. Therefore, he can let me in. And also because I choose to go to heaven. Not against my will. It's my personal decision. That's the last part I'm going to put up here. Is a lot of people have a hard time because it's a personal decision you have to make. But you have to drop a lot of ego to get there. You have to drop a lot of stuff. You have to be fully aware and conscious of what you're doing. To get there. And that's why so many people, I think, will walk away. It's just because they love living their lives too much to walk away from it. Even if it is pure and absolute destruction. Man, when you think about it that way, a lot. It's, it's such a simple thing to do, but it's extremely difficult to do. You know what I mean? So, it's food for thought for y'all. So until next time, we meet again. May God richly bless y'all, my dearly beloved.